eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. From Jordan Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it. War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Marcello. Uh, welcome to the Roundtable. I'm joined by Jason Caldwell, Philip Marshall, and Keith Niebuhr today. Um, still no sports. Not going to be sports for a while, um, as we all know, but... Uh, gentlemen, I, I, I know most of us have been cooped up in the house and getting out as much as we can as far as around the neighborhoods and walking around and doing everything. But uh, how's the situation with uh, the coronavirus and our isolation? How are you guys handling that? Uh, I think today is two weeks since I've been anywhere other than uh, walking up and down the street from my house. Uh but, I, you know, it's all right. I think it's, it's – well, I've kind of looked at it. It's, it's probably not as hard for me, uh, for sure, because I don't have any young children. Uh, but also, I think – and all of us do this. We all work at home, which might make it a little little easier than it is for somebody that's accustomed to getting up and and going to an office somewhere or whatever. But, uh, but I have my days when I think, you know – I don't know how much more I'd handle this. I want to go somewhere and do something, but uh, so far, so good. Keith, what are you doing in the? Uh... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, like Philip, I'm taking some walks. Uh, you know, the thing is, recruiting still going on, so I've actually probably got the easiest job. You know, you guys cover stuff. You guys uh, can react to things, and 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 at that, you're the best in, in the Auburn market, and probably the state of Alabama. We're being honest here, but recruiting for me, I'm lucky. It's still going on. There's still Auburn's still talking to kids, still FaceTiming kids. So, you know, I'm contacting them, but in my spare time watching billions on Showtime, binge watching, and I've really been, you know, I can't go out and hit golf balls. And that, that's what I love to do more than anything in, in this world. So I've been watching and Philip will remember this, the old shells, wonderful world of golfs. And they're all, they're all over YouTube. And, and it's, it's awesome. I don't want to bore you guys too much, but it's really awesome for me, and I'm sure Jason will agree, watching these, going back 40, 50, 60 years, watching how the old guys swung the club and seeing how much this golf swing has changed since even Ben Hogan played. 
uh, because there was so much there was so much risk action back then. Um, and Sam Snead came along and really kind of was the big shot when it came to what they call the one form or the one piece swing, uh, which meant you didn't really break your wrists until you really got above your head. And it's been just awesome kind of reconnecting with my love of golf and watching the Masters from 1975 when when Nicholas, you know, bested Johnny Miller and Tom Weiskopf. So I, I love history. You guys know that. So I'm I'm kind of, uh, you know, one eye on the present, one eye on the future. And the eyes in the back of my head, I guess, or the back of my brain, just looking back into the past and uh, enjoying some old golf. I mean, I love I love watching golf more than anything because I like studying the swing. So that's been keeping me pretty busy, to be honest with you. I, I, I just enjoy that stuff, being the nerd that I am. Hey Keith, I, I actually literally broke my wrist playing golf, <laughs> or, or cracked it. Uh, true story. I had a my ball was right up against the tree. Oh boy! I understand now. I'm probably the worst golfer ever. But uh, so I was going to try to hit it out from under, uh, uh, kind of in the roots, right up against the tree, and I took I, I drew back and swung as hard as I could, gripping the ball the club as hard as I could. And I hit the tree dead center. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, <laughs> and, and, it, and it cracked my. It, it was a hairline fracture, but it cracked my wrist. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it, you can get hurt playing golf. I mean you. I mean I've been hit by other people's shots. Uh, I'll never forget my father passed away many years ago. But one of the last times we played, we played a course in Florida that had a big ravine right in front of the green and. He was, I always let my ball just go. If I hit one in the muck, I don't know if Jason, Brandon, I don't know how you guys are. I'm scared of snakes. So I usually just bite the bullet and say, I'll just put a new ball. I'll just throw another ball down. But my dad was cheap and he climbed down this ravine and he was you know, probably 12 foot drop. And when he climbed back up, he, he slipped and fell, tumbled down. And when he finally came back up, he was covered in water and mud, face, you know, mud everywhere. And that's, that's kind of my lasting image of my dad playing golf. But you can get hurt out there, Philip. You ain't. You ain't the only one, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, crawling down into into holes, especially right now, and uh, looking for golf balls. If I lose one, uh, yeah, that's just going to have to be a casualty of uh, of playing. If I'm if I'm doing that, I usually lost about ten every round. <laughs> hopefully, I uh, hopefully I don't lose that many. If I do, it would be a uh, I would not be an enjoyable round of golf. I wouldn't I, have a I, feeling. I would play. I would try to hang on till I could get to the hole near the driving range, where I could get me a handful of red stripes and finish. Try to finish with him. And believe me, I played with Jason. He ain't losing too many balls out there. But it's it's kind of weird, you know. You're just trying to figure out how to pass the time right now. I mean, honestly, a lot of my work and a lot of y'all's work is from home anyway. But it's that freedom to be able to get up and do stuff during the middle of the day that you kind of miss, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we're we're still able to, you know, like uh, the AU Club here. It's still open in terms of hey, you know, go out if you want to go out and walk, and if you want to play, you can ride by yourself or do something like that. So, still the opportunity to do some of that. And so, I played uh, one day last week. Hopefully, get a chance to go out there and walk a little bit this week and try to get a little exercise and play some. But yeah, it's still a, uh, it's still a strange, you know, scenario where you know I'm actually walking down College Street right now, uh, here in Auburn, and you know handful of cars come by and that's pretty much it uh it's quite quite different than a normal spring day would be here in uh, in auburn that's for sure yeah i'm literally like locked up in my office right now where the walls have painted black my i have light out curtains blackout curtains so 
a nuclear bomb could have gone off, and I, I don't know. So I, I get out. I get out in the afternoons with uh, Jackson, our, our child. We run around the backyard and push him around in his uh, little car and little Tyke's car and play a little basketball. He's got a basketball goal now, and he's in love with that. And uh, that's about it. That's that's. Uh, I am not leaving my backyard. I am not going out, even though I've been so tempted the last, really the last two days. I've I've been wanting to get out and do stuff and even though like sometimes I'm like I wouldn't normally go do that but like now now I'm tempted to go do this I want to go do that but um you know it's gonna be a little bit and from that standpoint um you know Auburn along with other SEC teams were allowed uh, starting Friday at noon to begin virtual coaching which uh means that uh teams not just football but teams across um, the spectrum uh, at Auburn and other SEC programs could start uh, providing mandatory two-hour instruction uh, to their players um, over, you know, video software like Zoom or FaceTime. And uh, my understanding is that uh, Auburn, of course, their football program is going to take advantage of that. Right now, my understanding today, uh, as we record this on a Monday, they are beginning install. Uh, and that will continue throughout the week. But what's interesting about all this is the two-hour limit and exactly what kind of they give to the players moving forward as far as here's some voluntary things you guys can do to work on all of this. But um, at least some sense of normalcy returning for football, but a long way to go, of course, before – we see them even back on campus, let alone practicing. Yeah, Brandon, is that would that be two hours per player, like each, each you know, or is that two hours total for the for the team? Like I'm saying, could you divide that up into O line coach Jack McNeil have his O line guys for two hours, Chad Morris and the quarterbacks their their two hour window, or is that a total thing? That's when I wonder is how that thing yeah. is kind of divided up a little bit. My understanding, it's total, so. You know, uh, I, my guess is is that what's you know I I'll, I'll talk more to, to some people in the program, but my underst my my thought is that that they'll probably go hey, you get thirty minutes you know with your position coach and then we're going to do a thirty minute thing here, and then maybe Gus is doing a team wide thing for about ten or fifteen minutes or whatever, but it's two it's two hours total. My understanding is no matter how they split that up, they can't. That is two hours here and here. And that there. is very little in the way of getting anything done. If you're talking about having, you know, 80, 80, 85 guys trying to, to do something in, in two hours total, man, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a step, but that's not much of a step. That's for sure. You know, I remember when, uh, when Alabama fired Mike Price after spring practice and hired Mike Shula and of course technology wasn't the same, but, their response was that they sent they sent the players all these videos of uh, you know their position coach talking and all this stuff and uh, uh, I don't think it did a whole lot of good. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it did much. It's uh, it's just not. I, I mean, I'm, certainly it's better than nothing. Uh, but it's, you know, it's you're not going to really effectively install anything until people can get out on the field to do it. 
You know what's strange is, uh, you know, I saw Tom Herman, the Texas coach today, apparently was complaining <laughs> that, that, made uh, me laugh. <laughs> that the Big 12 is not allowing them to send equipment, workout equipment, to their players. And the first thing that pops in my head is, are you sending a huge, uh, you know, weight machines out to – is that what you're wanting to do, these, you know – 500 pound machines to players. I don't understand this. No, I don't either. Um, I mean, what was funny about... is it was not saying that basically insinuating that others are doing it, and right? I, like, I like you said, I, I mean, who is sending like what are you like? Are you mailing dumbbells or I mean, like you can't, <laughs> you can't send a squat rack in the mail? I mean, like, you right, can't do those things. I mean, like, yeah, it was this, uh, once again, it, it, it comes off as. Oh well, we're not doing these things. I know somebody else is. He, like, like you said, if you do have proof, show you, show where your, where's your proof that people are mailing equipment out to people? Yeah, I, I mean, have a hard time believing that's happening. I just, I, th- yeah, I know, think it the, just the, goes. The UPS man drive up with this huge weight machine <laughs> for, for eighty-five people. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you know what we're gonna learn well, through you all don't this. Get that many of them for one thing. No. Through all this, we're going to learn that the, the coaches that are organized in normal situations are going to be the most normal, uh, most uh, organized now. The the Probably. guys that are the best, the guys that are the best recruiters, they're going to be the best recruiters under this situation. The kids that work hard on their own and train hard on their own are going to be ahead of everybody. I mean, you know, this uh, a situation like this is is unusual as it is is really going to allow the cream in all aspects to kind of rise to the top. The kids that don't take things that seriously are going to fall behind. The same with the recruiters. You're right. The recruiters that are the recruiters that make excuses, and I'm not saying I know any that do, but the ones that do that that are that don't adjust to this, they're going to fall behind just like they would the other months of the year that are normal. I mean, it's just this is Absolutely. this You're is right. where the cream is going to rise. And I think you're right. And, and and I'm laughing at, you know, they're talking to college coaches going, well, we need to, you know, we got to be in June or July to get guys ready. And I'm like, you know, they used to play college football in, in Philip when guys yeah. went home and worked for the summer and they came back and two a days was actually to get guys in shape for the season. Right. And there were always you know, guys who, uh, and I wrote a little bit about this, there, there guys, there was guys who came back and you, you said, wow, man, it's obvious what they've been doing. They've been working correct. hard. And then there were guys that came back that obviously had been eating mama's cooking more than they'd been working right. out. And, and you, uh, you knew day one which guy would be ready for the opener and which guy was going to take a little while to, to get into right. game shape. Those are things you may have to deal with now. And if, if they think they need two months to prepare for a season, then then they're saying, I mean, you don't need two months to prepare for a season. You know, that's, that's what these guys should be, you know, they've been working out on their own. Obviously, it's going to take a little time, but Hey, now, now you have to adjust and coach like they did in the seventies where, you know what, you need to run a little more and maybe spend a little less time on offense and defense and more on conditioning to get prepared for a season. That's right. They've been spoiled by the having, having their players on campus all summer, working with their strength and condition, conditioning coach all summer. And uh, of course it's voluntary as they say, (laughs) but, uh, 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 and so when practice starts, Physical condition is not an issue, and that's maybe for a freshman or two that was late arriving. But for the for the guys who have been there, uh, it's not it's not an issue. But now, for some of them, it's, it's going to be an issue. That's it's bound to be. And uh, you'd like to think they would all get themselves ready, but all of them won't. And uh, so uh, it's it's kind of there, there's of course the first interesting thing is when they come back. 
but it's going to be a lot of interesting things to to observe once they do. Yeah, I love it. You got spring practice, you know, several weeks there. You got summer conditioning. You got fall camp and you know, all this stuff. And then you get to the first game and somebody false starts on the first offensive series, you know, and you're thinking, man, what have they been doing the rest of the year? And I know that's that's looking at it uh, kind of in a very simplistic way. But, you know, baseball for years did things a certain way. And then that whole money ball philosophy came along. And now you have a lot of teams that that kind of ripped it up shredded what they were doing before and moved in a different direction and who's to say that this doesn't lead to a new iteration of what spring practices or what what off-season uh, practice or off-season conditioning is we don't know I, I don't know you know I'd heard a few weeks ago that uh, and, and I'm sure you guys heard something similar to this and I think it's been written even that OTAs may be the wave of the future at least in this cycle that may be their only choice so who knows? I mean, there may be a different, better way to do this. Uh, football, maybe it's too set in its ways. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. But, you know, Philip, you've been doing this a long time and you've even seen some minor shifts. But I mean, as long as you've been doing it, they've had spring football, right? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's and it used to be uh, longer. Uh, it didn't used to have any limits on contact. Uh Spring spring practice used to be pretty brutal, really, and uh, uh, but uh, yeah, you know the difference in college football and any other or college sports in general is the players are there all the time. You know, NFL players go home and then they they go wherever they they they're not going to be interested in coming back in the summer for. Or, or the spring for two or three weeks of, of spring practice. And, uh, but also that's different because, you know, if the guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do, he, he'll find himself unemployed. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to see OTAs being a thing in, uh, in college, but who knows what's going to be the end result of all this. I mean, it's uh, maybe they'll just say, you know, we didn't really need spring practice to begin with. I and, absolutely uh, think that because of the concussion issue as well, yeah, we tack exactly. that on, the already limiting so much contact. I agree with Keith. I wouldn't be shocked at all to, to see this thing wind up where you go, uh, we're going to give you uh, a week and a half uh, in July or you know, 10 days in July to have an OTA training camp or whatever. Then you have a you have you know that break right there before the season starts and then you're full board just to, and to have that as your install period, all those things. And, and go on. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see some some of that stuff happen, you know, coming out of this. I think uh, a big issue is that, you know, if you look at Auburn and then, of course, campuses around the country in the SEC or whatever, I mean, Auburn's not allowing students on campus until maybe late June um, as it stands right now. And from talking to people in the athletics department, their thinking is we haven't decided on anything as far as when student athletes can or cannot come back, but we're most likely going to follow the university's protocol. We're not going to break out of that and make special circumstances for football players just because they're football players. They're still human. They still carry the virus. The other issue is some of these players, they're all spread across the country, of course, some of them are going to be in hot spots or already in hot spots. So do you bring them on campus and require them to be in quarantine for 14 days? 
before you're allowed to join team activities and get in that big group and sweat and be in the same locker room as your as your teammates that's a big issue and if you're looking at late june at the earliest of maybe doing some type of as you guys say maybe ota type situations and then doing preseason camp in august i think that's looking dire at this moment and we'll talk about this later as we get to questions from listeners but you know there is a big concern among administrators and coaches about whether there's even going to be a football season yep. because of that. Um, but we'll talk about that here in in a little bit. But I want to start going into these questions we've got from some listeners and our and our subscribers at Auburn 24-7. First up is uh, T.O. Tiger. He asks, of course, guys, uh, you know, as we all know, as we're recording this here in about an hour – the NCAA is going to make a vote, do a vote, uh, trying to decide whether to give an extra year of eligibility to players in uh, winter and spring sports. It's looking like spring sports will get that, probably not winter sports. But uh, I say that to I'm prefacing uh, this question with knowing that we haven't heard that yet. Uh, T.O. Tiger asks, what players would come back, if any, if the NCAA were to give winter sport athletes ability to play another year Auburn could go from a team with a lot of new faces to a team with a lot of experience not to mention if we had a few high profile players I'm guessing what T.O. is referring to is uh, basketball which is what everybody's kind of thinking of my 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 take is is that I you know listen I, I might I might be proven uh incorrect here in like an hour but I just don't see them giving an extra year of eligibility in the winter to winter sports. I don't think there's any chance that happens. No, I think I'd be completely shocked if that happened with with everything that's happened, so much of that schedule being gone on. And I'm yeah, most honestly, we'll we'll find out, but I'm not real certain even the spring sports because of the the precedent it sets. You mentioned in no football season. Um I mean if you start giving out blanket waivers to everybody and then you have to do that if there's no football season, all of a sudden you're talking about a huge chunk of money involved. I think that's uh, – we'll see, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'll be very surprised if they don't do that. And uh, as far as who might come back, I, what I can tell you is I talked to Mickey Dean, the softball coach, last night actually, and he said all the seniors had expressed a, a quite a bit of excitement about the possibility of coming back, except for one who has a job situation and might and might the, a job waiting on her. And she would have to get that worked out, but she wants to. And uh, so uh, I think baseball's very different yeah, because it's different. almost a three-year sport anyway. I mean, well, and, and there's there's no real future in softball right now. That's right. the thing. No, of course and there's not. nowhere that's to the go. Thing. Nowhere this to is... go for baseball. You look at the possibility right. of a draft, and that's the that's the other kink in, in this thing is is that it could be a five-round draft and. After that, you sign, but the maximum bonus you can get is $20,000. Well, how many guys are willing to do that if they get – now, the question will be, hey, we'll give you a year back, but are they going to pay for that year? Because if you start asking guys then to go, well, we'll give you a year back on the roster, but you still have to pay $75,000 for your tuition, then that's going to cut down on a lot of those people wanting to do that as well. Well, that, I, you know, the uh, like Tanner Burns, of course, he can come back if he wants to anyway. <laughs> uh, correct. But uh, – the problem is, is that there's no money for him because you expected him to go in the draft, and then you start having to, to juggle around because you're not expecting Tanner Burns to be a guy that comes back after his junior year. 
you know, that's the problem is you start going, it's, it's all money in baseball with 11.7 scholarships, how that works, how you juggle that roster uh, will be the biggest issue because you could potentially have a baseball team with 45 guys on it. Um, how, how do you make that work? That's a, that's going to be a huge issue. Well, yeah, but from what I've heard, I don't think there's any question that they will that the squad limit size will be adjusted for at least this one year. Uh, oh, I think they have to adjust the squad limit size and and, and, the, and the scholarship limit as well. So uh, yeah, but, yeah, again, but it comes down to not necessarily how many you get, but how you how you divvy those things up. Are you just going to give them four well, more scholarships to make it fifteen total, and then divide it up how it goes, or you know, how does that work? That's going to be the issue. No, according to what I read, Jason, is was that they would uh, the most likely thing is they would the people would get the same same scholarship money they had the previous year, whatever that is. Now, but here, but again, a guy like Tanner Burns, I mean, he's not a senior, so is he just gonna give everybody another year of eligibility? <clears throat> That's the thing, Cody Greenhill of the world, uh, those kind of guys, because if not, those guys are really the guys that get hurt the most in this because they lose their year of, you know, having options and make you know, say, well, I can always go back to school. Well, now you don't have that option as a senior anymore. You won't have that year because you only played a few games this season. Yeah, you just, as a player, you just have to look at it and say, okay, which way am I the best off? I mean, am I better off to go ahead and go and get drafted where I get drafted and take what I can get? Or am I better off to come back and, and, Play my senior year, and uh, and that's 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 the issue is that say you say oh, well here's your twenty thousand dollars, okay you want to take that or are you going to pay fifty five thousand dollars for another year to go back to school? Yeah, I mean it's going to eliminate a lot of these guys if if they only get what they were getting before because especially seniors, normally seniors are guy that get the lowest percentage. So that guy may only been on twenty five percent scholarship and he's from out of state. That's a big chunk that that guy would have to pay again. I've never really quite understood why in some situations or in this situation or even in there, instead of saying to the athletic department, you got to write us a check for this, for this guy's scholarship. Why doesn't the school just let him go to school free? That's what I mean. It's not like you're, you're talking about a couple because of hundred that, people. But, but then you're talking about everybody who's a senior that, that got, you know, maybe their classes got canceled, something like that, then that's a benefit for a student athlete that the regular student doesn't get. And so that becomes an NCAA issue then. Uh, it sounds good, and it, it, it should be that way, but there would be a, a, a benefit that, that you know everybody else couldn't get. Uh, what but, about the tab of the cost of attendance check of bringing an X number of athletes back? Uh, what's the total tab going to be up for a university's athletic department? Significant, right? Yeah. Well, it's going to be to me. It's really significant if you're uh, Wofford uh, or yeah. somebody yeah. like that. I don't really see it as significant for for Auburn or Alabama or Georgia or Florida or Tennessee, etc. I, I don't. Well, know. the thing that makes that's the thing that makes it significant, in my opinion, is if this does go and you say, "All right, we're going to do that." Well, then there's no football season, and they go, "Well, you gave everybody else their year back. Where's my year back?" And then all of a sudden, you're talking about full rides for. All right, so you got 20 seniors. Um, 
13 of them are guys that aren't have no chance to get drafted, but they pay on to come back and play another year. That's 13 full scholarships for another full year. That's where the everybody involved in becomes a. a but but let know, me ask let me ask this question though, Jason. Yeah. If they uh, if they suddenly said today that they, if this wasn't even going on, and they said we're raising the scholarship limit from uh, from 25 to 40. Which at one time it was. You think they'd pay the money to pay for those forty scholarships? I do, every time. Yeah. Do you think Ball State does? No, but that to me that, that's it's that, Ball- that's where that's where I'm saying that's where the divide comes in. It's not the SEC. This is an entire country and everybody voting, and and those people are gonna go look. Can we afford that? The SEC can afford it. The Big Ten can afford it. Heck, even you think the Pac-12 isn't? Well, I don't great think position. they would do it, ever do anything that would say. You have to do this. I think it'll be you can do this. Well, uh, I get back to the vote about the third baseball assistant. They could have done that and said, "Hey, if you want a third baseball assistant, you can have one." But they said, "Nope. If we can't, if we're not going to do it, you're not either." That's the that's the concern I have with these things. Going well, if we're not going to do it, then we're not going to let you do it either. Even though it doesn't, and it's not fair to the student athlete. But hey, that's it's money talk, talk sometimes. This NCAA group cancel whatever the votes on it is is dominated by Power Five schools. Not, not I don't I don't believe the, the smaller schools can outvote them on this if they if they. Uh, but I read one place that at least one Power Five conference is against it, and I don't know which one. But and who knows? We'll find out here, as Brad said, in a little while. But we'll see. Uh, moving on, uh, Kevin Barnes uh, says, uh, no question, only thanks. You guys have done your best uh, to be creative in this most bizarre, unfortunate set of circumstances to provide an a- ath- uh, excuse me, an outlet. Keep it up and like y'all. I can't wait for a whistle to blow, a shout of play ball, a scoreboard glow, indicating normal has returned. Uh, thanks, Kevin. You know, Philip and, and Jason – have done some great series. Uh, Phillips going through 50 years of Auburn football, telling a story from each season um, that he's been around. Uh, Jason's doing some photo galleries from previous seasons. He's doing a series called The Rest of the Story right now, some really good stuff talking to people from the past in Auburn history, providing a new perspective on things during their time uh, on the plains. Uh, some really good stuff uh, up on our website right now. We've got a a uh, few more things uh, starting up this week um, that I don't want to give away that uh, we'll be starting up to that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Okay, so we got a question from a Twitter account called 16 Days Until Jalen Green Commits. <laughs> um, mm. What's your feeling about Jalen Green? Do you guys still feel good about him? And I guess he's referring directly to some of our crystal ball predictions for Jalen Green. Jalen Green, of course, uh, blue chip uh, guard that um, will be – I guess making this decision when April fifteenth or so it looks like. Yeah, it's going to be the last part of April. I, I, I nobody has a specific day yet for him. I don't think he said. I think he's just saying late April, and he's really got four choices: um, uh, three colleges or go playing professionally overseas. You know, the colleges are Memphis, uh, Auburn, and Oregon. I think, and uh, you know, I think right now, you know, we talked to his coach about a month ago at, at Prolific Prep, which is in Napa, California. And I should point out he's from Fresno, um, which isn't that far away. But, uh, you know, he is uh, far away from Napa. You know, 6'5", 185 pounds in that range, combo guard. So he can really he can bring the ball up the court. He can uh, uh, be a defender on a three, maybe even a four if need be. I mean, he can do a lot of different things. He's a natural scorer. In fact, uh, guys, last offseason – he had a weakness, and uh, it's hard to believe the guy that's a, a top five national player has a weakness. A guy that would be, if they could go in the draft, would be a surefire, you know, top ten, top fifteen pick this year. But he did have a weakness, and it was his outside shot. So he went and trained with a, a private coach that that actually trained Steph Curry, and they say that has really taken his shooting, outside shooting, to the next level. A big season, thirty points, you know, handful of assists, handful of rebounds a game, for one of those schools that prolific prep that plays a national schedule. There aren't many, you know, guys, I, 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 we've all covered high school basketball and even the elite teams in most of the states we're from, you know, they would have a, a bunch of those games where you're like, oh my goodness, I, I got to watch this. He's 75 to 23, stuff like that. His, his school played more of a national, almost a world level schedule teams out of Canada and the United States. <coughs> Excuse me. So he, he <coughs> pardon me. So he, he did all this big stuff against big time programs. So the question is, going to go and it's our understanding that and we thought this brandon and i and i know jason too have thought this for a while based on our intel that auburn probably was sitting in the best spot if he decided not to play professionally overseas now uh there's been some mixed conversations on that mixed opinions of that uh he you know he's brought it up enough that makes you think he's strongly considering playing overseas but uh, very close with the auburn staff very close with bruce pearl uh, i think ira bowman i want to say was is his one of his main recruiters uh very close with sharif cooper the five-star point guard that's already signed with auburn uh they know each other really heavily from the off-season basketball circuit and uh i think there is some level of confidence at auburn uh, we'll see though i think one of the things to look at here is you mentioned talking about playing professionally and, and doing it overseas that would have to be a concern right now to, right to not only would a league be taking place? But what happens if you get over there and something else happens again and you get stuck in China as an 18-year-old for six months, you know, and, and quarantined? I think that, to me, that's something that probably works in Auburn's favor a little bit is that I, I would be really concerned about traveling somewhere else to, to go play basketball for, you know, six, seven months, uh, you know, right out of high school. What a remarkable turn of events that these kind of players are, are uh, that you would – Auburn would be leading or or in the best spot for these five star players. That's uh, that's remarkable if you've been around it as long as I have. Well, and if you could somehow keep a Isaac Kakara uh, from turning pro 
real. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I know, but it, you can dream, right? But it's 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 if you can get Jalen Green, then all of a sudden you you have what you would consider one of the uh, truly elite backcourts coming in. And, you know, what do they say this time of year in the NCAA tournament? That's, that's, I mean, look at last year, look no further than last year. As great as, as Chuma Akiki was. And, and oh, you gosh, Austin Rivers had some big moments in that NCAA tournament last year, but boy, those guards were good, man. They were good. I mean, just, just out of this world. Good. And, uh, and so maybe, you know, maybe that could, keep Auburn on that high plane, having those guys, even, you know, uh, Jalen Green's probably a guy that's a one and done. And his coach, his high school coach told me, look, he's almost certainly a one and done. A big part of his decision is he wants to make sure he gets that to play in the NCAA tournament. Now, gosh, if he would have played this year, think about that unfortunate situation, but his one year and and look, there's no guarantee he's going to be a one and done, but the feeling is he probably would be. Uh, So he wanted to make sure that wherever he goes would be a team that would be an NCAA tournament team. So he was looking at a lot of things or has been looking at a lot of things, uh, uh, things uh, on the basketball court, who these teams have returning. And quite frankly, guys, things off the basketball court uh, to see what program would be the best fit. But uh, Sharif Cooper is probably a guy that's a multi-year guy in college, yeah, based on his size. Uh, but you get those two guys together. They've, they've kind of wanted to play together for a while. And, uh, you know, then you look at some of the pieces coming back. Uh, Jalen Williams getting a little bit better, a little bit better each game. Uh, Devin Cambridge. You know, obviously they're going to need some big guys. There's no question about that. I'm still in the hunt for five-star power forward. Uh, Greg Brown out of Texas. Some people think he may be leaning Texas now with Shaka Smart's future, at least for one more year, guys, looking secure. Uh, so Auburn is really in position to have a nice class. I mean, really, not, not just nice, elite. You look who they've already got on board, 6'6", six, six forward, Chris Moore out of West Memphis. I should point out Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Memphis. You've got the great shooter out of Kentucky. You've got Sharif Cooper. You add Jalen Green and one post player or, or two. And then, obviously, Bruce Pearl's looking at some grad transfers out there, looking at looking at that market for guys that he can plug in and, and maybe be starters, maybe be uh, role players. I mean, you've got to have those key role players to go deep in the NCAA tournament as well. But you're, you're right, Philip. It's – you know, I grew up in Florida, and a guy I saw playing high school way back when I was a kid, Frank Ford. Uh, I'm really lucky. I'm probably one of the few people on, uh, that, that cover Auburn that saw him play in high school. And, uh, you know, he was the first Mr. Basketball in the state of Florida. And, and Philip, I bet that was a big deal 30 years ago, 35 years ago, just to get a Mr. Basketball. Now you're talking about multiple Mr. Basketballs. Sharif Cooper was the USA Today National Player of the Year last year. Jalen Green's a top five national recruit Sharif Cooper's a five-star he's a five-star I mean it's 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 unbelievable the last time really you know when when Sonny was going to five straight NCAA tournaments you know you mentioned Frank Ford uh he uh but Barkley was not a I mean he was a recruit some people wanted but he was not anything like rated like these guys are nor was Chuck Person who, and obviously those two guys ended up being among the greatest ever at Auburn. And uh, Chris Morris was one everybody yeah. wanted. And another one from Phoenix City named Michael Jones was one everybody wanted, but it turned out he has had too many issues and uh, and didn't make it. Uh, but uh, but this is really unprecedented. I mean, uh, it's a, Charles Barker, if there had been stars, then Charles would not have been a five-star recruit. Uh Chuck probably would not have been at Brantley. Chris Morris would have been. Uh, Frank Ford would have been. So they, you know, that's the last time they were able to recruit like this on a 
regular basis. Uh, moving over to football, Dan asks, I know this is a random question, but if you had to guess, how many years until Auburn updates the exterior facade of Jordan-Hare Stadium and the end zone? Um, I, I, Ten years? I don't know. There's no timeline, man. They're not even talking about it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not – I agree that it, it needs it, and uh, but it has needed it for a long time, and – that hasn't been a priority, and I don't have any sense that it's any kind of priority now, or even even on the table for discussion. Actually, when yeah, does Haley's well, comet come again? <laughs> it, it's it is it's it's pretty interesting. If 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 people could be a fly on the wall on some of these Saturdays when me and Keith are waiting on recruits or kind of watching. We have so many discussions about things that, hey, like to see this done, what you could do to this, that I, I think it, it might it might have an an interesting an interesting podcast just in itself, just to talk about some of these thoughts on facilities and all that. But I do, I think you're right. There's not even any any talk of that when you talk about building a football performance facility right now. Then you're not, you know, that's where it is. You got baseball going on, softball going on, all these things. Um, yeah, I think to plan something like that would be a couple of years out. Then it's a couple of years out before it gets going. So, yeah, I think it's quite a while. That's a last very year, proposition. Too. Yeah, and I know last year when they were developing their master plan, anything involving uh, JHS wasn't even on, discussed in that master plan. So, and, and it wasn't that long ago, right? Now, Philip, Jason, and Brandon, you guys cover this, but it wasn't that long ago I, when that was part of the master plan, right? Weren't there weren't there preliminary designs for the stadium about five, six, seven years ago? Oh yeah, the, when they were going to the north end zone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, they tried to they, they tried to sell it to the board of trustees. Jay Jacobs did, and and they they were basically appalled by the <laughs> I, I think the the plan for how they were going to pay for it and uh, and rejected it, and it really has been gone ever since. Yeah, and and the, the the crazy thing is, is that the plan to pay for it, which was, you know, I I, I think was going to be adding more skyboxes, doing those things in the end zone, similar to what a South Carolina, Florida, some of these places have. That's exactly then what happened at midfield later on when when the press box was moved to add more premium seating is where it's at. It's not yep. adding more seats, and that would have been a great way, and still is a great way, in my opinion. You could you could knock out the entire north end zone, rebuild it with a, you know, lower section, premium seating, um, skyboxes, those things that would double as, hey, wedding reception areas, all the, I mean, all these things that you could use them for throughout the year to bring back more money for your athletic department. It just makes too much sense not to do at some point, but it, it doesn't sound like it's anything, you know, no. in, the, in the short term. Uh, that's going to get, it, it will be done someday. Uh, but even then, I'm not sure they're going to brick the, the facade of the stadium. I, I, I just, I, I, I personally think it needs it. Uh, I remember Florida State Stadium uh, Correct. before. Correct. Before it was bricked, it looked like an erector set, and uh, now it looks great. And uh, and I think the same thing would be true of Jordan Hare Stadium. But I, I've never, I've never really felt. A whole lot of agreement on that <laughs> from anybody that mattered. Uh, it's always been like, well, yeah, that'd be nice, but we got other things that we need to. 
Uh, Rusty Owens is going to end the podcast with a question that's on everybody's mind, the ultimate question. What are your thoughts on whether we have a football season in the fall? If we do, if not, do we push this year's schedule to next year or stick with, well, I guess what he's saying is if, if not, do we push this year's schedule to January or February or do we just move on and say there wasn't a season and wait for 2021? I'll go first. My, my gut feeling is that there will be a season, but that it won't start on September 5th. Uh, and again, you know, it's, I found it interesting when, when Kirk Herbstreet's opinion created such an uproar and it's just an opinion. And uh, then Reese Davis today had a different opinion and it's just an opinion and that's fine. I'm a little bit confused by how people make that to be like it's real news because it's not like Kirk said, Hey, I've been talking to people and uh, I can report that they don't think there's going to be a season. He just gave his opinion, but I, I think the, the financial uh, consequences would be so great not to have a season that they will do everything they can. But what we don't know, nobody knows is they may not have any choice. It just may not work. And then again, it may work fine and they may start on time. But, uh, but whatever happens, if, if, if it's delayed or if it's, if they don't have it, then goodness knows about the schedule and stuff like that. There would be so much that had to be worked out on that stuff. Who knows where that would go? I have I have no clue. Yeah, because you, you can't imagine that uh, that you know Alabama and Georgia are going. Yeah, let's just skip that season and we'll come back there again in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and, and yeah, we'll we'll lose a home game against Auburn. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, I don't know how you would do it. You just back everything up a year. I think you would just back uh, everything up a year. What's uh, like, year like, would become odd years. Would just like the Olympics have did. You yeah. basically would do that, but I. I, I don't know. In my opinion, I think there's going to be a football season, whether it's backed up or not. Again, I think it's too early to tell for me. I think they're going to have, you're right, there's too much involved unless this thing just, you know, runs out of control. And, and better. Correct. Uh, but I, I think I think there would be a push to just have something. I can't imagine yeah, I mean, I'm le- in the winter. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning toward a season, too. I'm looking back at this 1925 Auburn football schedule. No, I know Philip was not covering the team then. No jokes are coming here. But 1925, Auburn uh, started the season on September 26th and, and uh, wrapped it up on November 26th. Uh, there were only 10 games, I think, that year, nine or 10 games, but nine games. Uh, so I, I, I'm with Philip. I think you could see it move back a little bit, maybe some games taken out. Uh, maybe you just play conference games. I mean, I, I, you know, look, somebody's going to get the short end of this, whether it's everybody or just a few. But, uh, yeah, if you make any change to football schedule, uh, it's going to be a significant hit for somebody. There's no question about that. Uh, well, yeah, Keith, the question, as late as, yeah, uh, as, late as ni- 1970, Auburn opened the season on the se- September 19th, yeah. 69, September 20th, 68, September 21st. It used to be that, that – uh, Back in the 60s and 50s, you started practice when you got to school, and uh, or when most people got to school. September the first is when practice started, and uh, yeah, even in, and, even, start, and, and the season started the last Saturday in September. Yeah, even in uh, even as in in 82, it was September 11th. So you're talking about the second week of September for a lot of those, even into the 80s. And so 
Uh, I, I mean, definitely remember um, at being young and even into my teens, um, Auburn having you know quarter systems and and not having students right. or oh, a yeah. band or a band at the game until third or fourth game of the year. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's been there's been uh, in, pushed into September before. I think to me that if, if if you're talking about delayed, I think that's you know a more you know reasonable thing. I think non-conference games would be in jeopardy. That's what would be in jeopardy. Yeah, and and again, like we said, the haves and the have-nots. Just just what we were talking about earlier, how it would impact baseball and, and the and the minor sports or the, the non-revenue sports. Same thing here. If you're if you're Wofford and you lose that football game against Clemson, that's a, massive. That's a, that's, oh, that's a massive yeah. blow. Yeah, yeah. No and, but that's the, the but you can't have the have-nots without the haves. But some would argue <laughs> some would, but some would argue you can't have the haves without the have-nots. Uh, you know, so there's there's two ways of looking at that. But, uh, you know, uh, an abbreviated schedule, What if it was just SEC games, you'd have eight games, everybody playing eight. I mean, yeah. hey, look, I mean, these are new times. It's it's it, the, the other question is, if you don't have a vaccine for this thing, if they don't have their arms around it and you're stretching into the winter months when they think now they're not sure yet, but they think that those are the, the worst months. I mean, there there are some warm weather countries right now that are struggling, too. I think that's what has them confounded a little bit. But the feeling is those those colder months are not really conducive for, for this, you know, so that's something that have to be factored. It'd be interesting. You know, if you lose a whole fall, could the schools say, look, the season's gone, but maybe we can do something in the spring next year. Maybe, maybe each team has an, a two or three game schedule. Maybe every school gets one game in the spring, one game to generate revenue, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Miami, Georgia, South, I mean, something, anything. I, I think that this is going to test our imaginations. Uh, potentially, if they can't play a season, uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting things thrown out there. Be a lot yeah. of university presidents having strokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. No yeah, doubt about that. there was a report uh, from the Sports Business Journal over the weekends <laughs> that reported that uh, there was being bandied about that maybe they would start the season in July, which I, I there's uh, absolutely no way. I had one administrator in the SEC completely laugh when they heard that. There's no way that happens, but people are just throwing out all kinds of ideas out there about it. And I, I think again, the big thing for me is I don't. The season's not going to start on time if players are not allowed to be on campus um, before August, in my opinion. If they're not on campus in July, there's no way they're going to have a season starting in September because these coaches are absolutely going to want two weeks with these players. And as Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly put it, you need you need about four weeks of strength and conditioning right now before you get into practice time these right. days to help, one, to get them in shape, but, two, protect them from injury. Um, I saw a report today about back when uh, the NFL was going through its you know kind of work stoppage situation with OTAs and everything in 2011, and, and injuries skyrocketed that season because they didn't get those workouts. Um, so that's something else to consider. But in the end, safety is going to be number one. The number two thing is going to be money. And they've got it. They're going to do everything in their power to play football this season uh, among the Power Five conferences. When that happens, no one knows. And there's really no way to predict it until you start seeing a downward trend with the cases and the deaths and everything. But then it gets into the whole situation of, Players coming from across the country, where are the hot spots? And 
are, should these players be allowed to be on campus when other students are not on campus? Is that fair or whatever? It's, it is and here's the other thing, Brandon, is that those players are going to have to be tested. Right. If this is still around, that was one of the things that, that blew up the NCAA tournament was when they discovered they couldn't do that at the time. And, and you're talking about testing 100 players on every team. Or at least the ones that are going to dress out for a given game, which would be 60-something. But right. uh, that's another issue. And will they be able to do that? I don't know. I think I think they'll have to if they're going to play. Uh, so it's it's a very very complex and complicated situation that I I I don't know how anybody can really you can guess I can guess you can guess anybody can guess on what might happen but I don't think anybody really has any kind of grasp on what's going to happen. I think the thing that the common fan needs to understand is that just because let's say just because we start seeing a downward trend and then okay so everything seems to be getting back to a not normal but normalish place that doesn't mean you start football up tomorrow and by tomorrow I mean a month after that they're going to need some more time right uh, before they're able to do that guys so you're looking at however long this goes on and we start seeing, you know, shelter in place and social distancing things start, you know, uh, lightening up. And then probably a month after that, you, you, maybe you could start a season. But um, that that's a that's quite a long time because we're looking at two, three months at least of of this, you know, kind of the guidelines we're all following right now at our own homes. And then, like I said, you be looking at another month after that, and when you, you look at that, that's July thirtieth as we speak today. Um, you're going into August, so I, I I just I don't think the I don't my opinion is just I think there's a football season of some sort. I just don't see it starting on uh, opening weekend as we all expected. Brandon, here's another thing. I mean, uh, old people like me, just because it starts getting better. It's not going to make me believe that I can just say, okay, that's it. It's over. Well, that, uh, well, that, and also, I mean, um, even if you open these games up to crowds, I, I, I think it's going to be difficult to fill the stadiums for a couple of reasons. One, the fear of conta- yeah. being contagious, but two, money. I mean, there's an economic downturn right now. Right. A lot of people filing for unemployment. It, I, there's not going to be full stadiums uh, across the state country even if we do have a football season and they allow uh fans inside which that's another whole other issue to discuss do you allow fans inside the stadium yeah i think that the thing is i think obviously they would hate to lose the ticket money and all those things but the most important thing is to give give cbs and espn and fox and whoever their their content their games so they can get that, so they can get paid. Uh, here's the, here's an interesting money, sorry, Philip. Do what? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, with recruiting, and I didn't. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. If you can't have fans in the stands, you probably can't have recruits there, right? So uh, I mean, the, the whole recruiting calendar is just going to yeah. be take somebody taking a sledgehammer to. Uh, there is but so you're, you're right. You're right, Philip. There are so many things. It's just, it's really kind of unbelievable, really. Uh, how many, how many things there are. If, you, if they don't start on time, if they play without fans, 
all those things. I mean, uh, I, well, I'm glad my, I don't have thought, to make those decisions. Is, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and and my thought is, if you can't have fans in the stands, that means that you can't have school going on. Correct. I mean, that's, would you? That's, you I mean, that's the whole thing, too. I mean, it's like, and, and if if school's not going on, then then yeah. do schools around the country have a large enough place to house a football team? And to keep them away from everybody else, and and to where they, hey, when oh, we tested everybody, they're clean, and we got to keep them together for an entire football season. Hey, like, and uh, here's uh, and here's another issue with that. Then it becomes so we're just employees now. We're not student athletes. Correct. Yeah, there you correct. Go. Well, we still we still going to class, but yeah, you still be going to class, just be online. But, but you're like you're like okay, if you're playing football and you're not allowed. You're not allowed to leave because yeah. then we'd have to check you again and go. Exactly. Okay. Their families can't visit all, all these things that yeah, man. if you have a football season, this, I think it has to be clear. I think you have to, and I think it has to be clear all the way because if you, if it's just fans in the stands, then what's the difference between that? And what's the difference between 85,000 people outside and 50 people locked in a classroom? Right. You're probably better off being 85 outside than 50 in a classroom. And so, I, and, I and let I, me tell you, when you're when you go ahead, Jason. No, I just say I think that's something that I believe is going to have to be a, a a situation where it it's almost back to normal before this thing happens. And when you're at a game, you are packed in like sardines. You guys remember before we remember when we used to actually have to pay to go to the games, guys, and and you'd be packed in and people rubbing against you, lines, long lines to get in the bathroom. Actually, well, that part we still experience with the Auburn press box. But but, you, but it was just, you know, you're like cattle in those places. And you're right. I mean, there's yeah. going to be a, a certain fear element there. Even if there's an all clear, there's going to be a fear element that keeps many people away, you'd have to think. I just want to know who's rubbing up against you, uh, Keith. Well, no, I, you know, when you look – when you're when you're going in and out of these stadiums, when you're going up and down the concourses in those those you know those big at the end of the game when it's a game that is decided at the last minute and everybody's leaving at once, you're touching people. You're within inches of people, uh, and that's yep. you know again that's what everybody's trying to avoid right now. Well, well I think the, you're not going to have. I agree with what Brandon said earlier. The crowds, even if unless somehow, which from everything I hear is not going to happen. By September, they're saying there's no more danger. Everything's great. Do what you want to do. Uh, unless that happens, people, there's not going to be many people in the stands anyway. Because they're not going to go. I wouldn't. And so, uh, yeah. well, and, you know, I, and a lot of the people that fill up that stadium outside of the students are not all that young. And they're not going to risk it. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't, like I said. Yeah, um, uh, that, that's the thing. Like, this whole thing is going to be—it's so complicated and has so many layers. And as Philip said, you got to find a way to be have a clear and concise message. Here's what we're going to do. This is how it's going to happen. And this is how it's going to happen at every university. I, but it's the thing. It's going to be different because it, it, here's the thing. It, New York might be quote unquote safer at that point than say the Midwest because it's spread there and there's different hot spots. I mean, that's something that we haven't really talked about is that it, not everybody is equal in this thing as far as the 
hot spot areas. I mean, like Lee County right now, it's one of the hottest areas in Alabama as far as the cases and everything, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the case in two months. It might be Huntsville or, or this or that. Um, and heck, you might, and like I said about players coming back to campus, you might have a player that's literally stuck in a hot spot that is under a quarantine at that point. We don't know. But yep. worst case scenario, they're in a quarantine. There's no way they can come to campus uh, for that matter. So th- th- this is one of those things where I think it – I literally think it's going to have to come down to like the 11th hour when they go, okay, we're pretty sure this is all this and that. Let's make a decision. I don't think it's something that they can go like a month or, or even even two months out or whatever and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I just don't. It's going to have to be an 11th hour decision. Oh, I agree, and I'm sure they're talking about what their options would be in various various scenarios. Uh, but it's just so hard to know what what those various various scenarios are. I just uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure that's way far above my pay grade. I know that. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, keep an eye on it, everybody. Uh, as we said, the NCAA uh, council right now is actually as, as we're recording this is. Uh, taking their vote about uh, eligibility, extra year of eligibility for spring sports and winter sports. We'll see how that all happens. Of course, there'll be plenty of coverage from the 24-7 sports crew. And, of course, we'll have Auburn coverage at Auburn.247sports, how that affects Auburn moving forward. And, of course, our series um, uh, will continue this week and throughout April and May. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to actually discuss, hey, uh, this is what's going on and we're – got we got practices coming up or something like that but for now everybody just stay safe we'll keep trying to crank out content telling you stories you want to hear um get your mind off of all this stuff but uh, hang in there we appreciate you for stopping by and listening and uh, until next time we'll see you down the road no one has it covered like 24 7 sports Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.